organizations to include technologies that are very much um, anchored in the root of the words or the Greek meaning of the two words coming together, techne and logos for technology. And uh, without further ado, my name is Neil Ramsey. I am a Radcliffe Art Design Incubator Mentor and Research Associate at Florida International University. So here is Bethany. Hello, Bethany. Hey, Neil, thank you for having me today. Absolutely, it's a pleasure to have you here. And um, there's so much to get into with you. I am going to go right into this. And I, uh, let's start, of course. Our audience does not know who you are. I think they know of what you've created and your company and what you do. But let's start with you. So who are you? And Give us an idea of you know just some of the things that might occupy your thoughts and your and 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 your time as a person you Bethany. Uh, i have a pretty varied background and i would describe myself as an entrepreneur an inventor multidisciplinary designer who's working at the intersection of sustainability circular economy and health I am fascinated by next-gen sustainable consumables, new materials, eco-conscious products, and circular systems that are designed to support the health and the wealth of all planetary life. And um, this is, as we know, a relevant, relevant conversation and topic. Um, we can't open a paper or an article these days uh, or even have a conversation in, in across many disciplines where we are not being faced with the challenges of what on earth are we doing with all of the waste that we are creating and producing. Um, how, so how does the world know Bethany today? Um, what do you want the world to know if they're not the same? Um, well, currently, I'm probably best known for having invented, developed, and commercialized the first FDA-cleared, plastic-free, compostable, flushable pregnancy test that was called Leah. I had co-founded uh, the company Leah Diagnostics. It was based on some of my thesis work while I was at the University of Pennsylvania. We spun that out and ran it as a company for several years. A lot of hands-on development work uh, went into the product, resulted in a you know a robust IP portfolio, and uh, some really really great traction. So that's probably what I'm best known for uh, today. Uh, yeah. You you rolled that yeah. off, Bethany. Just you know, just matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> I know because this is the world you live in. Um, this is your daily. And here I am sitting here. Wow, wow, wow. So for our audience, who's not in this daily or, or, or even manufacturing and designing this type of thing, how did you get where you are today? Because we do have a lot of young listeners. We, are, we have a lot of uh, in, a, in a university setting and a greater Miami setting, and we got a young, vibrant, tech entrepreneurial community that is being um, definitely encouraged and empowered. So it's really interesting to understand how did you get 
where you are today? Well, I grew up in a very small town in rural Pennsylvania. Um, my dad built our family house into a countryside hill. So I was sort of always surrounded by this creative energy, nature, and engineering and design. So it was really rooted in who I am. I, and I started my career in advertising. Um, so I spent 10 years in advertising, marketing, and branding, working at a creative, creative ad, various creative ad agencies and was a creative director. And then after doing that for about a decade, I realized that, you know, the next great ad agency was likely going to have an industrial design component to it. The, this idea of being able to bake branding in earlier in the design process became really fascinating to me. So, you know, could you selectively choose certain materials and design a product a certain way to actually speak to the inherent branding and ad campaigns that you would do once it was coming to market? And so that led me to the University of Pennsylvania's Master's in Integrated Product Design Program. And it was a program that was housed in the engineering school. Uh, it was a cross-disciplinary program. So we had uh, coursework from the engineering school, from Wharton, from the business school, and from the design school. And then since my thesis was on diagnostic test kits, I also spent time in bio. Uh, and that was the hands-on work then that, that really led me to create um, the product and it it really was truly learning by doing and curiosity driven. Uh, I spent lots of time just reading all of George Whiteside's patents on uh, paper microfluidics uh, in lab testing. I became very very fascinated by the concept of temporality and the fact that you know we should be understanding materials that have both hydrophilic and hydrophobic properties and that you could kind of design a product to exist within its intended life cycle. So if you know that you're only gonna use it for a couple of minutes, why are we designing these so many products with plastic that can't um, easily biodegrade or be compostable? Yeah. Uh, and so that, that intersection became really, really fascinating to me. Um, temporality, sustainability, and you know, very purposeful design and design driven by materials. Um, because if you're doing that whole scope, then in, in some respects, the product already has an inherent story um, that should be baked into a natural branding campaign. Uh, Thank you for giving us that how. And um, a few things. The we at Radcliffe Art and Design Incubator, and, and, and part of what we do is, is we really, and this came up, immersive learning, and you talked about that. So it's learning by doing. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the importance of that. And then you, we talked about, you just, you led us to this circular economy. And um, something that I just read this week, and some research on this, and some, and you just mentioned this, that a, a big part of this is the is cross disciplinary. 
a big part of this addressing it is which may be different or, or or is going to require some change is in the and you will speak to this further but what i want to highlight is in circularity or circular economy i should say that we are finding this cross-functional need that it is not a singular discipline singular expertise in the world and conversations and in doing circular economy and you just mentioned all of this realization discovery in your path and the 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 institutions and, and spaces that you've been that helped you even build and and in pursuing that so i did want to stop and, and and highlight that for our audience that i think that is going to be a fundamental change that's going to be required in the circular economy in terms of our processes procedures policies and how we operate and conduct business in a very propri proprietary way not meaning we tend to like to own our disciplines and our expertise and we can historically do that you know we, we build a tower but i think circular economy is going to require that the towers come and blend and start to uh, work across each other so that's enough from me you now got us to circular economy. I'm going to ask you two questions. Circular economy in terms of sustainability. Sustainability has become a buzzword, meaning, well, I don't think I need to explain buzzwords. Just it's been reduced, it's diluted. So all of the complexity and all of what goes into sustainability we, we it's become a superficial usage what is the difference or how do we set set circular economy conversations apart from sustainability meaning mm -hmm. they're not separate and this completely distinct are they but the, mm -hmm. i think there is some nuance that or, or more than nuance that we should um highlight for our listeners yeah all right so you can do sustainable activities and sustainable design without it being necessarily circular or without it necessarily embracing the broader, more holistic concept of the circular economy. So I think that's kind of the, the difference there. Uh, I do think that it's important to still recognize that not all solutions, or, or at least initially, are going to be able to be solved by a circular system. So in those cases, making them more sustainable is valuable to aim towards. So I think that is something that is kind of important to, to recognize um, is that, you know, you can't just automatically immediately transition in everything into a circular system. It's just, it's, we're very linear, linearly based. It's complex. I mean, as you were pointing out before, everything is a much more interconnected web and people are recognizing that a lot. A lot. Uh, you know, if you change, you know, one thing, one metric, um, one facet, it might impact the other. I mean, there's a lot of trade-off points in terms of design, you know, shelf life, 
competes with packaging, regional policies compete with volume and scale, um, critical raw materials can compete with defect rate. And so, you know, if you're reducing your critical raw materials, are you potentially increasing the defect rate that, um, that consumers are experiencing? So, I mean, there's a lot of trade-offs in terms of the way um, the way you have to start looking at, at the systems and the, the overall design. So it's not necessarily one solution fits all kind of anymore. And I think that that's where the interdisciplinary thinking really starts to come into play and that these solutions have to be kind of crafted. Um, but that also, you know, competes with the idea of scalability inputs sustainability and scalability at odds because you know there's always still the the question of of cogs co you know margin making profit and you can do that better with large large scale but some instances um you know aren't set up for that you know a good example uh is in japan and korea they have regional policies in place that require soda bottles to not have labels. But in the US, labels are really, really important from an FDA regulatory consumer information standpoint. And so that's a solution that's challenging to completely scale everywhere based on kind of regional policies and differences in terms of culture and behavior. Um, so those are really complex things. Mm -hmm. and challenging to really design for and, and design maybe one solution fits all at least currently while we're in this transitionary period yep and thank you for that um so can you tell yeah. us about your product how I, and give us the, this so bethany the disposable pregnancy test Give us the product. Tell us about this. You, I mean, it's it's. Uh, there's some statistics that might come that might be alarming to our listeners. So if you yeah you know uh, you started a business and this is what it was. This you you, you found a problem to solve. Give, let us know about this. Yeah. Uh... Well, single-use diagnostic test kits are only used for a few minutes, but they far, you know, it far outseeds the life cycle, right? Um, the test has about roughly like 12 grams of plastic waste, and that relates to one single test is 400 years in landfill. Uh, you know, some of the other, I think, shocking statistics are that in a single day, the the UK's COVID tests produced an equivalent of one and a half eight ton elephants of landfill waste. So this this wasn't just a, necessarily a pregnancy test problem. This is also a problem across all single use diagnostic test kits, but we chose to focus specifically on pregnancy tests. Uh, and with pregnancy tests, it was a, there was enough plastic generated from plastic pregnancy tests to stretch from the International Space Station and back about seven times. Uh, wow. So, yeah, uh, and we always used to say that the, that your grandmother's um, pregnancy test is somewhere still on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, and this is sort of, you know, and this and, and thank you for this statistic or raising that number to put it in perspective, because the other thing too, you know, a great 
percentage of the population, particularly, I will say, as a male, not, I really don't know that much about pregnancy tests. Um, so this statistic of the waste that's produced just in that activity alone, and then you introduce the idea, oh my gosh, we're using the same principles, is that correct, for our new COVID tests? So, okay, we are constantly producing single use. Gotcha. Okay. And, you know, medical waste is really, is, is an interesting area. Um, you know, it's challenging to immediately switch to other things there. You know, plastic is kind of a grandfathered material from an FDA perspective. So when you're changing materials, you have a lot more due on substantial equivalence and a lot of additional studies. I saw the graduate. Uh, so... I saw the movie The Graduate. <laughs> I know all about plastic and how, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope yeah, everybody yeah. in the audience saw the movie The Graduate. Otherwise, yeah. I think, what on earth is Neil talking about? Yeah. I can't plug yeah. it, yes. but The Graduate. Yes. Okay. Yes. And well, and you know, I mean, I think the other thing there is, you know, a lot of people tend to forget that plastics have, you know, over a hundred years of lead time and experience on manufacturing uh, and being able to have perfected it to a point where the costs are really low. And so some of these new materials and new uh, sustainable, you know, compostable products that are coming out are under so much pressure right out of the gate to be cost competitive. And I think that's really tough um, because it's just, it's it's not fair to those technologies because they're new. They haven't had that time to have the luxury of multiple um, iterations of custom capital equipment. Mm. And so I think that is one of the other like really big challenges in just when we talk about how do you scale to a more circular economy? How do you scale to more, you know, sustainable, consumable, um, compostable products or you know, newer, newer non-plastic products in general? It requires a lot of infrastructure and new infrastructure on the manufacturing side. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I think that's a gap uh, that, that people often aren't talking as much about. Um. And again, to being a little bit of, uh, as I said, uh, coming me being a neophyte in this case. Um, the reason is in circular economy, we really are looking at more about what we are manufacturing as opposed to dealing with waste. Right, we're dealing with the waste on the front end. Saying so, instead of creating waste, why aren't we manufacturing such that whatever the use is, it's not producing a waste that we can manufacture and produce something that can go back for uh, alternative use, reuse, mm -hmm. or it could be as simple as fertilizing our garden when it's done, type of use, but having correct. a use. It's correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I to... yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's some people that um, that feel a little, a little differently about whether you should consider um, the cycle back to nature. I personally think that that's really important. I think that 
you know, nature has systems that are built off of that. And if we can design products that can, can go back to nature and be compostable and add nutrients to soil, now you're talking about an additional benefit. You know, you're generating a soil positive kind of environment, which I think is really, really valuable. Um, so I absolutely see compostable as fitting within a circular kind of economy principles of maybe it's not exactly reducing waste, but it is providing a circular feedback loop where it is generating value to the soil and to our, our, our society and systems at large. You know, I think a lot of it, the way I'm starting to think about it is this idea of reincarnation by design mm. so oh, back to where i love that yeah. Re reincarnation <laughs> by design <laughs> yes yes. I, I, yes I like the way it sounds <laughs> yes. well good i'm I glad hope, that you, you know, do i'm get, working when you, on when it when you get when you get, in, when you get into it yeah like, I, you got me already you got me already good right. you got good. me reincarnation um, by design Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so um, yes. So I'm I'm working on that as, as a, a kind of way of, of describing it a little bit more with this idea of, you know, we understand that we should be doing this. And now it becomes and we've seen some of the really amazing diagrams on the circular economy. Uh, and so now it starts to become a question of back to where and in what form next. Uh, and so that's why I'm, I'm kind of referring to it as this idea of reincarnation by design. So is it, you know, back to nature in this kind of compostable way where you're looking at temporary products and material engineering? Uh, or is it back to consumers with reuse? And so you're looking at more durable products that can be reused and refurbished. Or is it back to supply chains so that the, the materials then are, or the waste is actually an opportunity stream. We're dealing with waste valorization and it's treated as feedstock. Uh, and so in that sense, it's recapturing and processing techniques. So I, I think, you know, there's, there's a nice sort of interesting way to kind of um, look at it from a design perspective uh, in terms of opportunity streams and reincarnation by design and thinking about how are those loops. Um, so, you know, in medical grade plastic, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, that's really high grade plastic and we're going to need to continue to use it. it. We just, for probably a very long time, I mean, think about, you ask a scientist if they want to switch their test tubes to something else it adds additional variability into their studies you know it's it's crazy right. stuff this is the like that this is the interconnectivity right. we're talking about yeah right yeah uh and so you know that quality of plastic has a really good you know really good um functionality uh and in characteristics and so then can you look at all right well where does that medical grade plastic go to it can cycle down into kind of the next lower grades and you know into electronics and then electronics to um you know um outdoor furniture uh so decking uh it, you know they're using a lot of plastic uh mixed plastic waste in decking um right now so you know the idea of being able to plan how many different cycled loops can you do and maintain as much functional integrity throughout it uh, is that's kind of fitting the whole like back to supply chains with the idea of it being a feedstock well 
audience, you heard it here first. <laughs> Bethany <Evans. laughs> okay so <laughs> it's yes, very we're working it's, on that <laughs> yeah so it's very it's very complex it's, um and you know and this was said tech doesn't always mean you plug it in this is going to require a lot of technology that is plugged in but even this is uh, something else about the circular economy it's going to require that we are designers of systems not so much that we are designers of artifacts um, yes yes and, yes but, Neil. yes yes and i think that that's one thing um that people you know they're starting to talk about it but i i think um this idea of really designing for circular systems really involves processing techniques so design isn't necessarily a physical thing it's mm -hmm. i mean it, it ends up becoming a physical manifestation. But the amount of work that I think designers can do, you know, creatively uh, in solving problems, I think there's a lot of work in developing processing techniques. Uh, and that's, you know, that's intellectual property, that's know-how, there's value in those systems. And to your point, that is technology that you can't necessarily plug in. And I think it's a really good place really rich opportunity for designers to kind of play within because it requires creativity, it requires the multidisciplinary and problem solving skills. What's the size of the economic opportunity? Do you have a, mm. a, a, a number around that in terms of- I do. Okay, what could that be? Because we're, you know, we've got to look forward yeah. and, and it's not, it's tough and it's, you know, and there are, positives and negatives right there's there's balance and we know that but it's not all doom and gloom and it will require a lot of changing just we just talked about this you just mentioned the investment and in infrastructure that needs to happen so in order for these things even to start to mobilize and occur so on the bright side since we are capital driven and an economy based on this what is the opportunity in front of us in terms of the economic opportunity mm -hmm. uh Accenture did a waste to wealth report in which they were citing the circular opportunity being a $4.5 trillion economic opportunity that encompasses, you know, reducing waste, stimulating innovation and creating employment. And they're estimating 6 million jobs could be generated, new jobs could be generated from this by 2030. Uh, and I think some of the new jobs um, could be you know, unique skill sets and unique mm -hmm. value add um, opportunities as well. So I think um, that's really interesting to me. Um, and I think, I mean, there's, there's, you know, I mean, people come to the table when they know that there's the opportunity for true money involved, right? But I, well, I mean, it's, exactly. uh, yes. 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 And, I think, and we have to address yeah. that. That's the pragmatic yeah. side of this. And I always yeah. say, you know, as an economist or an economist, that's what, we and designers we all have to understand and you know you said reincarnation by design and mm -hmm. i've said and i've come up with one and that is if you do not design the economics it's incomplete design mm. right mm. um because we are <laughs> we're, we're functioning in an operation if you want to call it that is driven by cogs and wheels of economic mm. Um, mm -hmm. mechanisms so yeah. to design something that can't, doesn't is not yet designed or does not design to function within those is what I call incomplete design we will see it on mm -hmm. a shelf it will stay on an archive mm -hmm. perhaps even a museum or or or, or 
the patent office, but we might not ever okay. see it <laughs> uh, <laughs> in use in public or helping us in impact. Yeah. Bethany, we have talked a lot today, and I and, and I thank you for giving us what I think is a beautiful download on an extremely uh, uh, complex and deep, deep study and cross-functional, cross-disciplinary one too, which adds another level, a layer of complexity because it's not a single expertise. For our audience, they've met you. Like I said, they heard it here first, Reincarnation by Design. <laughs> Could you tell us the name of the product? where the product can be found, the impact that your product that you have designed, invented, that is, just let us know, name, the impact, what you are preventing, how it's moving us towards this, and what might be next to come from you. Yeah, uh, so the, the name of the product was Leah, um, and, uh, it is currently being looked at by folks from a scale pr prospect. Um, so that's a whole other podcast now that I could spend. <laughs> I don't even know if it's, I don't even know if it would be titled this podcast, right? It would be, um, yeah, you, you and I can chat about, about all of that good stuff. We can have a part too. Circular, yes, circular we, economy can have... <laughs> well, as of today, an infinite amount of parts, but we can yes. have a part two for sure. <laughs> yes, we can, we can have a we can have a part two uh, to go into to some of all of that good stuff. Um, so you're asking, you know, kind of what I'm up to a little bit. I think mm -hmm. these days that was one of the things. Um, so I also help support the World Business Council for Sustainable Development in partnership development with mm -hmm. a focus on circular economy and health uh and and what's next um so i'll continue to you know spend time playing in the space of new materials uh this reincarnation by design concept is something that i'm really starting to kind of formulate a little bit more so that i could speak to it uh, at a, a little bit of a broader and higher level and uh continuing to kind of work towards a design and R&D lab that's focused on inventing sustainable products, compostable consumables and circular systems that are designed to embrace waste valorization for, you know, leading multinationals, um, as well as, you know, myself and internal initiatives um, to be able to, to uh, expand upon them further. All right. Well, you're going to have to come to Miami. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, Neil. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's going to be my duty to Miami. Is you heard that? Yeah, I got to bring Bethany Edwards to Miami. Um, <laughs> what's your website? Mm. Can we have the website? Uh, is there a website, well, or there's not a there's not a commercial website well, for you yet? So we did. We had one. We sold out of all of our inventory. Uh, mm. And yes, yes. Um, and now, uh, now as I mentioned, it's it's with some additional folks who are looking to take it to the next level. As okay, the well, this is what is happens needed. when you're scaling. This is what happens. This, <laughs> this is, is what happens. this is positive news, everybody. This is positive uh, yeah, news. So, um, so that happens. Uh, I have my own website that is. Uh, 
a little under construction, but I think by the time you post this, it'll be available. Um, so if people want to find out a little more information on me, it's just stephanieedwards.com. Wonderful. And there's a lesson in simplicity. <laughs> yes, I was fortunate enough to get that domain name, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And Bethany, we're just about to wrap up, and I'm saying thank you so much on behalf of Ratcliffe Art and Design Incubator, my colleagues, our home at Florida International University, which, as you know, and I've spoken to you before, is a tier one research university. So there's going to be many people within the institution that are interested in hearing and listening to you. And then, of course, we have Miami, right? the exuberant Miami doing all sorts of wonderful things out there on the platform and, and, and making a name for itself. And, and as it invested in art many years ago, it has recently being spoken that it, it wishes to invest in its technology community. So that's our function is to at least let people understand that technology just doesn't only mean you plug it in. Mm -hmm. One thing before I leave. Yes. When you are not on this high level genius, what I call outer space topics, <laughs> <laughs> what might we find Bethany doing? Hobbies? Mm -hmm or hobbies or, yeah. or likes or interests my I mean you know mine is well my hobby became a function right in the art world but um I'm, I'm a gardener right if I had to answer this question many people may not know that I'm an avid gardener um well aside from you know doing random experiments uh in my garage at times um the other hobby that I have um I do floral arrangements with dried flowers. That's that's so, one of my it's so a little along creative, the lines. Creative, yeah, creative yeah. yeah, a little along yeah. the lines of your gardening. And and you know, to be true and authentic and transparent, we also know that we both also have a thing for shoe design. And I'll leave we it at do. that. <laughs> we do have a thing for shoe design. That is yes, true. we do. <laughs> Bethany, thank you so much. I've already said the thank yous on for everybody else. Audience, this has been FIU Tech Conversations. This is the particular series or part of it with myself, Neil Ramsey. Tech does not mean you plug it in. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Neil. This was a pleasure. <laughs>